Hey everybody, you're listening to Don't Be Afraid of Your Dreams, the podcast where we talk about the movies we love and the monsters we all face. I'm your host David Anderson, and today is October 22nd, 2020, A Course in Fearicles, Day 22. just say up until this point, I've been doing a really, really good job of not having or <laughs> eating any Halloween candy, but I do have my Halloween candy bowl out, which happens to be a skeleton sitting in a bathtub, and I really, really love this candy bowl for some reason. And he was starting to make me sad just sitting there all nude, reclining in an empty tub <laughs> with no candy in it, when he should be swimming in crunch bars and Reese's Pieces and whatever else. So I went out and got some candy and filled his bowl and I made the mistake of eating a Snickers and now I'm afraid the beast has been awakened. So what I'm really asking you to do in this moment is enable me and tell me that it's okay for me to enjoy my favorite time of year and to have some candy. That's cool, right? What's your favorite Halloween candy? I'm a man of simple pleasure. Snickers is my go-to for sure. And don't bother me with any garbage that's not chocolate, pretty much. Although I do like a Skittle and a gummy worm. It's hard to find the perfect mix of Halloween candy, right? Like they always throw one grenade in there that no one wants. I was so close today to seeing my perfect candy bar mix and then there were Twizzlers in there. I'm like, Twizzlers are disgusting. No one wants that. This is a Red Vines family. Oh shit, you know what else is good? Okay. Okay, Trader Joe's has this maple streusel bread, and I was walking by their display, and there was a very helpful sign that said, why don't you try this maple streusel bread next time you make French toast? So I was like, threaten me with a good time. Okay, I will. It will blow your dick off. It is so good. So I make my French toast. Um, what was that I was just saying about candy and not eating anything bad up until this point? So I've made, just like a couple times, made French toast. It's my treat on Sunday morning using this maple streusel bread and their maple butter. It is like a big sloppy mouth kiss from Vermont. It's so good. So try that. It'll change your life. And I'm stocking up on that bread and freezing it because I'm pretty sure it's going to disappear and I want it to carry me through, well, probably Christmas but at least through Thanksgiving. It's like a special seasonal treat. If anyone out there works in the grocery <laughs> industry, in the food industry, I have a question for you, and I really need to know what the strategy is when it comes to seasonal stuff. Like Trader Joe's, I look forward to it all year. They roll out their pumpkin products, and they have the full line of the fall stuff for maybe two weeks. We didn't even make it to mid-October and it's all gone and most of it is replaced with cranberry sauce and holiday Christmassy Thanksgiving stuff and I'm like who is buying fixins for their Thanksgiving meal in mid-October? Why can't we at least keep all the pumpkin stuff through Halloween? And pumpkin stuff is not specifically limited to Halloween. I associate that with Thanksgiving and Christmas too. Why is it one or the other? It doesn't make any sense to me and in fact fills me with irrational rage to devote the resources that must take to put out all these products and then only have them for two weeks when clearly there's a demand for it? Why? Why? It doesn't make any sense. So if someone can explain to me what the rationale behind that is, I would love to know. But okay, let's get real. Let's talk about costumes. We're getting close to the big day. It's the 22nd already. I can't believe it. Let's talk about dressing up. You know, whenever I've thrown a Halloween party, I usually get at least a couple of messages beforehand from people asking if they have to dress up. And I'm like, I'm sorry, do you have to? You mean 
do you get to? And yeah, by the way, it's a Halloween party. Yes, you do have to dress up. I get that not everybody like loves Halloween and dressing up. And people also don't love, for the most part, having to put thought and effort into something, I guess. But I think a lot of people are kind of intimidated by the idea of showing up in a costume, not only because of some kind of anxiety that it might not be as good or clever as other people's, but maybe that they'll also somehow feel embarrassed or silly showing up in a costume. I, for one, love it. Even though my favorite part of Halloween is decorating, I do love putting on a costume. I'm getting ready for a virtual event coming up soon that has a dress-up element to it, and a few of my costume components came yesterday, and as I was pulling them out of the Amazon box, I was already laughing with how ridiculous and fun it was. Then I put some stuff on, tried it on, and was like, ooh, mm, I think I'm slipping into character a little bit here already. I'm moving a little differently. It's kind of wild how putting on a costume can allow you to kind of step out of your identity for a while and assume another, right? And that is so not like me. I'm generally shy and reserved, uh, especially in social settings, historically anyway. But when I have a chance to dress up or perform somehow, I did a choreographed dance as part of one of my best friend's weddings. And people were like, uh, this does not seem like you. And I was like, well, if I had to give a man of honor toast or something at the reception, I'd probably be freaking out. But if it's a performance, I feel like I'm stepping into a character almost, and that's liberating. I don't know if you listened to the Silence of the Lambs episode I published over the summer, but in it, I talked about how much I respond to the kind of Ed Gein bloodline of slashers that trickles down through Norman Bates, Leatherface, and Buffalo Bill. These characters who are so uncomfortable in their own bodies that they literally slip into someone else's skin. And Leatherface has different identities within that, right? Different faces he puts on depending on the occasion. He has his kill mask. He has his kind of domestic housewife face. His fancy lady face for guests when he dresses for dinner. And all of us have some version of that. There are aspects of self that we bring out in certain situations. The you that shows up at a work function is probably not the same you that shows up when you're just hanging out with your friends or whatever. There are moments in life when we're called upon to be performative. When things get rough, sometimes you have to get serious and put on your kill mask to get through it. And that's not a bad thing. It doesn't necessarily speak of some sense of being inauthentic. Putting on a costume can be liberating and allow you to channel or tap into aspects of self that you might otherwise have a difficult time accessing. I was the co-artistic director for an immersive show that ran during the Halloween season a few years ago. And during performances, I was kind of running front of house and checking people in, coordinating entry, running around, doing some stage managing stuff when needed. And I started off pretty much as me, maybe a little eyeliner or something, but I wore a tie and I was all like professional about about it. But after a while, I was like, well, all the actors are having so much fun. I want to get in on that. So I started leaning more into this, whatever it was I was becoming. The makeup got heavier. I was like, ooh, a wig. Why not? By the end, I was wearing a dress and I was just developing weird mannerisms and a kind of surly demeanor. And it was actually serving me because a lot of nights I was dealing with unruly, uncooperative people, drunk people. And normally I'd be kind of intimidated in a situation like that or not great at wielding any kind of authority, but because I was someone else, I was able to step into that role. So I'd like to ask you, at what moments in your life do you slip into a costume or into a character? Or if you would like to, what might that look like? Who or what do you or can you channel when you have to? When you go to a job interview or a first date, 
or have a difficult confrontational conversation, or let's even zoom out a little bit. What if you're feeling kind of boxed in by your life and you're wanting to make some changes? Who can you look to as an example of someone who's living a life or showing up in life in a way that resembles something you'd like to experience while also making it uniquely you? I've been introduced to this concept of positive projections. Who inspires you with qualities you would like to cultivate? And usually what you end up choosing will serve as a mirror for qualities you definitely already have, but that maybe aren't fully activated. So I'm gonna share some questions you can ask yourself that were posed to me by a mentor to help kind of get you there. Who do you admire? Who inspires you? What is it about their life that inspires you? What core qualities do they embody? How do you imagine they navigate challenging times? What do they inspire within you? Imagine they are a mirror for your own authentic power. What does this bring forward for you? Oh, you know I love that idea of authentic power. So whoever you pick can be a real person, living or dead, or a character. Do you want to be uh, Ellen Ripley in your life? You know, I always, always, always go back to A Nightmare on Elm Street. We just talked about it yesterday. Nancy is my favorite final girl because she is aware of what's going on. We love all of our final girls, right? But most of the time, they have some vague sense that something isn't right, but they only rise up when they're forced to, when the killer finally reveals himself and they find themselves in a big life or death chase scene. Not Nancy. Nancy is present the entire time, bound and determined to put a name to the monster and then to confront it with intention and purpose. She goes after Freddy before he can really go after her, and she has a plan. And in that final satisfying moment, it's by reclaiming her authentic power that she's able to triumph. She conquers her fear. She turns her back on the monster, knowing that she has the power to control her dreams and shape her life. Not this manifestation of fear and guilt and past sins. And God, it is good. So I want to be a Nancy in my life. I don't know that I'll ever dress up as Nancy for Halloween, but I can keep her on my list of positive projections and slip into badass bitch mode whenever I need to. So who are you going to be? And this is the perfect time of year to try on an identity or tap into some aspects of yourself that are maybe asking you for some attention. And the best part is you can just say it's your Halloween costume. So get out there and do it and let me know what happens. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. This show is an Unreliable Narrator production. For more information, visit unreliablenarrator.org.